And we are on air. This is Monday night, October the 2nd, and we're doing our Talladega 2 NASCAR race review along with our Hot Topic Sound Off at 10. Uh, We're going to start off with some short track news, and afterward I'll review the Arkham Menard Series race that took place at Salem Speedway. At the top of the next half hour, we're going to review the ARCA West race at our American Speedway. And afterward, we review the Truck Series race at Talladega Super Speedway and provide a brief update for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They did not race this weekend. At uh, the next half hour, we, are, we do have a guest, Daryl Abbott, who is a NASCAR fan and sponsor for Destined for Destruction, will join our conversation. And afterward, we review the NASCAR Cup Series race at Talladega. We're going to end our episode, of course, with the NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with our Fan for Racing crew. And joining me uh, in just a little bit here will be our co-host for tonight, Sal Segala. Uh, Sal is just getting home from work, so he has to kind of get set up and ready to go here, and then he'll be on. In the meantime, I'm going to give some uh, short track news. I want to start with uh, last week we had our guest on, Patrick Staropoli, and we talked about his upcoming race at Citrus Speedway and uh, Citrus County Speedway. Well, that race is rescheduled now to October the 14th. So, and that's because of uh, poor weather conditions this weekend in uh, the Florida area. So uh, just be aware that that race uh, will be in another couple of weeks. This coming weekend, though, they do have uh, Kids Night, October the 7th. Uh, they'll also have the Pro Trucks 50 laps, $2,000 to win, and the Sunoco Race Fuel Twin Sportsman 300 for 30 laps. That'll have a $1,000 bonus win for both features. $800 to win the flagpole run, one what you brung for 15 laps. So uh, a lot of racing uh, taking place uh, this weekend at Citrus County. Uh, the Pro Outlaw Figure Eights, the Na- Nature Coast Towing Ford Figure Eights, the Nature Coast Towing Ford Outlaws, Signs Fast Pure Stocks for 25 laps, Mini Stocks, DAARA, Rat Rod Racing Oval Drags. So just a lot of great racing taking place over at Citrus County uh, this weekend. Uh, but watch for that race on October the 14th. Uh, I'll be anxious to find out how Patrick Sarapoli does. We've also been talking about uh, October 15th is going to be the next Spears SRL Southwest Touring Series for the Pro Late Models and uh, Manufactured Modifying Race uh, Series. So uh, that's coming up here. We'll be talking more about that. At Racing America, there's uh, some news there. King of the Road, Stephen Donahue, backs up his breakout season with the Vermont Milk Bowl win. And Ashen Tucker takes the battle. Dylan Gosby wins the war in the Super Late Model Series finale. Uh, And uh, those articles are at uh, Racing America. So, uh, again, let me see if I can find that. 
what track that's at. <laughs> it doesn't mention the track. Okay. Uh, also, keep in mind, Winchester Speedway is coming up, the Winchester 400. Uh, there's an article about Winchester Speedway is one of the oldest continuously operating racetracks in the world. Uh, a great feature article over at Racing America about that. Also, Bubar wins the Bosowski Properties 150, and Benjamin clinches the GSPSS Championship at Lee, USA. Uh, that article is up over at Racing America, as well as uh, some of the NASCAR news from this past weekend. So you'll want to check that out. Over at Flow Racing, it's Kyle Larson versus Rico Abreu for the High Limit title. Uh, and they're separated by just 20 points with two races remaining in the inaugural high-limit sprint car series season. Uh, so there's a 48-second uh, uh, video about that over at Flow Racing. Also, the Bridgeport preview, Larson and Sweet preview the high-limit sprints at Bridgeport. Uh, that's uh, about a 3-minute, 30-second video. And the Sweet Manufacturing Race of the Week, the 2023 BC39 at IMS Dirt Track. Uh, so you can watch that full race. If you missed it, you can still watch it over at Flow Racing. Also, a video here about which World of Outlaw drivers are racing the Testarora 50. Uh, check that out. And then breaking down a historic night at North Wilkesboro. Uh, Rob Blount and James Pike break down the inaugural visit to historic Wils Wilkesboro for the NASCAR Wheeling Modified Tour. And I'm going to use that to kind of switch over to short track scene because they have a great article about Matt Hirschman winning that Modified Tour at Wilkesboro's return. So uh, a great article over there. Also over at Short Track Scene, Christopher Tullis overcomes adversity to claim the Show Me the Money Series Championship uh, at one point in the Fall Brawl 100 at Montgomery Motor Speedway. Uh, Christopher Tullis was being lapped, but he ended up winning and overcoming. Uh, also, Bubba Wallace intends to enter the Snowball Derby. Uh, that's good news. And there's an increased purse bonuses for the Winchester 400. Uh, so, you again, read about that over at Short Track Scene. Let me see if Sal is here. Not yet. So let me see if I can get some more uh, news here from Short Track Scene. Uh, <clears throat> underdog, Trevor Ward clocks a Martinsville 300 victory in the late model stock cars. Uh, and the ASA Stars Tour has increased purse bonuses, as I mentioned that before, for that Winchester 400. So uh, check that out. Starting lineup for the Martinsville 300, big names miss the cut. And Bubba Pollard serves as best man for a short track wedding. I'll read all about that again over at Short Track Scene. Uh, a lot of racing coming up. Um, in the short track world, Jay and I will preview 
and let you know what some of those upcoming races are. If you want a preview of the preview, over at Flow Racing, they've got a list of upcoming races for the week, including races that are taking place uh, uh, tomorrow night, the High Limit Spritz Series at Bridgeport. That will be at 4.40 p.m. Central Daylight Time, and uh, you can watch that over at Flow Racing. So uh, that's going to be a good one. Uh, also, uh, a lot of other races here. The Porsche Sprint Challenge at Indianapolis, October 5th to the 6th. October 5th to the 7th is the PDRA Drag Wars. Uh, just to give you uh, a taste of some of the upcoming races that are coming up this weekend. A lot of great coverage for short track racing around uh, the country. And I got to tell you, uh, if you're looking for a race to watch, I'm pretty sure there's a race going on at a short track near you. And we always like to encourage uh, folks to support their local short, short tracks. They need that support to keep racing going on at racetracks near where all of us live. So uh, try to support your local short tracks uh, whenever you can. Uh, so... Let's see. Jay's still not here. Let me see what else we've got. Well, let me tell you this. In the uh, in the SRL series, uh, Jacob Gones is leaving the driver's standings uh, right now in the SRL series uh, in the number 16. John Moore is second. Dylan Zampa, third. Nick Cooper is fourth. And Scott Sanchez rounds out the top five there. In the Car Owner Championships, it's uh, Ron DeLosso, JM Racing, Randy Hedrick, Scott Sanchez, and RPM Motorsports. Top five there. And for the Rookie of the Year Championship standings, the top five include Dylan Zampa, Nick Cooper, Austin Herzog, and Darren Robertson. Sean Hingarani rounds out the top five there. Uh, so pretty cool uh, to see what the SRL is doing out on the West Coast. Uh, again, they've got a list here of the Kern um, of the um, October Classic at Kern County Raceway. If you want to get a schedule of those events, uh, they do have that posted over at srlsouthwesttour.com in case you want to check that out. Uh, Sal is here. So we'll bring him into the queue. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Shared. I know you're going to be out there at Kern County uh, when that race is running, that fall classic. Uh, yeah, that'll be in a in a in a couple weeks. Yep. Yep. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. We've been talking about it for a while. I just ran down the top five um, for team uh, drivers, uh, owners, and rookie of the year. So um, you give pit books a flavor for what's going on there. And we've pretty much covered the uh, short track scene here uh, for Racing America um, you know, Patrick Sarapoli was supposed to race this past weekend at Citrus County Speedway. That race, Sal, was postponed to October 14th because of poor weather conditions. 
Yeah, that's what so I had, uh, then, heard from. Uh, yeah, I heard from my buddy that that shoots. He's the track photographer for Citrus. Okay. So he had told me. Yeah, he had told me that they had um. Rescheduled. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our Arkham and Art Series review. We've really got two races uh, to review. Uh, we'll review Salem Speedway now, and then at the top of the hour, we'll review that Arkham and Art Series West race at All-American Speedway. I've sent the post-race notes to you, Sal, via our team's um, app. So I'll go ahead and start off here. Jesse Love was fastest in practice and started from the pole. He led every lap to win the Atlas 200 at Salem Speedway on Saturday night. Love, who clinched the 2023 Arkham Menard Series Championship by just starting the race, earned his 10th victory of the season. Amazing what he's done. Yeah, it is. it's really amazing that this, the season he's having this year. Um, and then with that, we have um, Love's win was his 12th career uh, Arkham Bernard Series win, tying him with his team owner, Bill Venturini. Dick Freeman and three-time series champion Ron Hutchinson was 25th on the all-time Arkham Bernard Series win list. Andre Perez de Lara matched his career best, finished in second. He also finished second in the dirt at the Jacoin State Fairgrounds. So I think he's going to finish second in the points, too, but we'll talk about that. And then from there, then we go to uh, Christian Rose earned his first career top five finish in third. Uh, Rose completed more laps than any other driver this season was the final car on the lead lap. And Tony Breidinger finished fourth. She's one position shy of her career best that was set earlier this season at Kansas Speedway. It was her fourth top five finish this season. Wow. Um, yeah, she's she's uh, actually for a female so, driver, she's doing pretty good, you know. And at least at least she's not getting heat as much as all as all the other ones. So that's that's kind yep, of good on her part. But good. other than that, we go to. Yeah, we've got a local favorite, Connor, Connor Popwell, finished fifth in the Arkham and Art Series debut, driving for team owner Mark Noble. Pop level races in the track's Great American Stocks Division. For Noble, it's his first top five finish as a team owner. That's pretty cool. William Sawalich, the Arca East champion, rallied to a sixth place. Just before the race break, his team made repairs, but he was never able to make up lost ground despite running laps. And then from there, then we go to John Garrett, finished a career best seventh, his sixth top ten finish of the season. Other drivers that scored their career best finishes include Ed Pompa in eighth place, Brayton Laster finished ninth, Kevin Hinkle in 14th. Wow. Uh, and then um, for that, then we go to despite battling a throttle linkage issue that cost him many laps, Frankie Munez scored his first top 10 finish 
tenth since he finished seventh at the Illinois State Fairgrounds five races ago. Zachary Tinkle was challenging for a top five finish before mechanical issues just past the halfway point forced him out of the race. Tinkle was credited with an 11th place finishing position. Brent Cruz was forced to start from the tail end of the field after a post-qualified technical violation, but he quickly knifed his way through the field into the top five. But a cut tire on lap 65 sent him hard into the turn four wall. The team made repairs, which ultimately left him to a 12th place finish. Love is now the youngest Arkham Menard Series West champion at 15 years, uh, nine months, and 24 days. He takes over from Christian Eckes as the youngest Arkham Menard Series champion at 18 years, eight months, and 16 days. So it's been three years that we've been watching him. He was the youngest West champion and now the youngest Arkham Menard Series champion. He's got an amazing career ahead of him. Yeah, he does. And then from there, then we go to the number 20 team owner, Billy Venturini, entered the final race of the season at Toledo Speedway with the 10-point advantage over number 18 team owner, Joe Gibbs, in the battle for the Arkham Menard Series Owners' Championship. Now, the final race of the 2023 Arkham Menard Series season is the Shore Lunch 200, presented by CGS Imaging. That's set for Saturday, October the 7th, this weekend at Toledo Speedway. The race will be televised live on Fox Sports 1 starting at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, can you believe this season is almost over, Sal? Yeah, it is. I mean, when you look, we're already October 2nd today. So, um, you know, time time sure is flying. It, it really is. It's amazing how it is flying. Uh, we do have the recap uh, from Arkham Menard Series for Jesse Love's win. He pretty much dominated that race. Uh, he began Saturday night by clinching the championship, uh, and he ended the night uh, celebrating in victory lane after leading every lap of the Atlas 200 for his 10th win of the season. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I mean, what a what a what a way to end. What a way really, to, what a way to cap off the season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were two pivotal moments for love. Uh on a restart on lap seventy one everything changed. Uh because for a while uh <clears throat> it was William Sawalowicz uh that was in the lead. But uh what happened is battling for the stop top spot and going into the third and fourth turns, Love was racing below Sawalich and attempted to slide in front of his rival. Uh, that worked, but the move left Sawalich, uh no space to battle back. Uh, he ended up hitting the wall and almost immediately suffered a flat tire, so he was forced to pit and it put him several laps down and knocked him out of contention. The other pivotal moment uh, for the race was with uh, Will Kimmel's mechanical failure just past the race's halfway point. Uh, one of only of the only drivers who seemingly was able to keep pace with love was Will Kimmel, 
He's a track champion. That's his home track, Salem Speedway. Uh, and he dropped out of the race shortly after pitting. So that that was the two pivotal moments, I think, uh, that uh, gave Jesse Love pretty much a dominant night. Wow. Pretty amazing. What a, what a night to have. Really, it is. Um, uh, they also say that there is uh, live streaming available on Flow Racing if you happen to not have uh, FS2 you'll still be able to watch the live stream over at Flow Racing for that race on October the 7th uh, for the season finale so the champion is determined but let's look at the points Sal because um, the points further down the list could be where the real uh, competition is going to happen at uh, Toledo. Nah. Yeah. So, Not really. Uh, <laughs> Not really, but let's nah. go ahead and cover the point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a done deal. Um, yeah. So, so Jesse, Love, Jesse Love leads the points. Andres Perez in second. Christian Rose in third. Frankie Munoz in fourth. And then um, from there, then you go uh, down to John Garrett in fifth, Brad Smith in sixth, A.J. Moyer in seventh, William Sawalich in eighth, Tony Breidinger in ninth, and Tim Monroe round out the top ten. It's amazing is only six of those drivers have raced all 19 races. Uh, the other four drivers, A.J. Moyer, 17 races, William Sawalich, only 12, Tony Breidinger, 13, and Tim Monroe, 15. So only six drivers have raced the complete schedule this season in the Arkham and Art Series. Yes, and um, when we look at the domination, Jesse Nell with 10 wins and the next driver down would be William Sawalich, who has three, but Jesse Love's led through 1,388 laps, and the next guy next to him would be William Sawalich with 440 laps. So that's a 948-lap uh, uh, difference. So, I mean, that's just – it's amazing. For the Rookie of the Year – uh, challenge. It looks like Jesse Love's going to take that this season as well. So, as the champion. So, it's been quite a season yeah. for the Arkham Menard Series. It all comes to an end next weekend. Yeah, too there bad there was a race for the championship. It makes it more exciting. It does make it more exciting. I agree with you. They do have some great articles over at uh, ArcaRacing.com. Looking back at sailing, you can Salem. You can check out some of the top images. Um, Jesse Love caps his uh, uh, championship night with that flag-to-flag win. Uh, he's, they also have Jesse Love's uh, victory lane interview uh, there. Race highlights from the race uh, is also there. You also, also there's video of Jesse Love and William Sawalich's tangle in that pivotal moment at Salem Speedway. 
And uh, we're, I'm not going to cover the West stuff because we haven't covered that yet. Uh, but I will say uh, that there is, you can watch, I think, No, I thought there might be a, a replay of the race over um, of this race, but there's not. So we won't go there. But a lot of good stuff over at the Arkham and Art Series uh, uh, schedule. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, website. Arca East, of course, William Sawalich is the uh, champion there. The next race we're going to pre- we're going to review the race this weekend uh, that took place out at All American Speedway for the Arca West. But after this, uh, their next race is the Star Nursery 150 on October 13th, 10:15 p.m. Eastern Time at the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. That will be available via Flow Racing uh, for live streaming. And uh, I'm looking forward to being there again this year. Yeah, it should be an exciting race because then after that, then, then we go straight into our, um, then we go straight into our uh, um, ARCA, not ARCA, but uh, SRL Southwest Tour goes into their championship weekend. Yeah, and I know you're going to be there. Yeah, but we were champions already been decided in that series. Yeah, Jacob Gomes. Yeah, Jacob Gomes, um, Travis Thurketto, the modifieds, and Lenny White in the uh, pro links. Pro oh, link okay. So it's pretty much decided in all three series, South. So? Yeah, it's already decided. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, in addition to the Star Nursery. Uh, there's two other races for the Arca West. Madera Speedway is coming up on October 21st, and Phoenix will be the season finale on November the 3rd. So the Arca Las West Vegas. will be there for championship weekend. There's no, there's no Madera. It's Las Vegas. Well, I see 5150 50, Junior Homecoming Arca 150 presented by West Coast Stock Car. Motorsports Hall of Fame at Madeira Speedway on October 21st on the schedule. For the Arca Menards? For the Arca West? Yes, that's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Arca West. So I was pointing out that there are two more races after the Star Nursery. They have three races left in their schedule yet. Wow, I thought the only right? two. No wonder why they didn't. Gosh, I forgot about the Madera Speedway because um, I was wondering why they didn't announce anything about Shadim Garani already wrapping up the championship on Saturday. Oh, they haven't mentioned that? Yeah, I didn't see well, anything about that. Because there's three races left. Because Phoenix, Phoenix is going to have right. enough drivers to where, if, if Trevor can get close to these next two races, Trevor has a chance to win it in, in Phoenix. Ah, okay. Trevor so Huddleston. that's why you really don't see it. Okay. Um, 
let's go ahead and move on now then to the Arc of West because we've been talking about they've got three more races left, uh, and we've got our post-race notes for that race as well. Uh, Caden Honeycutt took over the number 17 Chevrolet that was vacated by Landon Lewis and asserted his dominance leading 146 of the race's 150 laps to win the Napa Auto Parts 150 at All-American Speedway. Honeycutt becomes the 28th driver in series history to win in his series debut. <laughs> so that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, that was actually was a last-minute um, decision to put him in the car because as of last weekend, Jake Bowman was supposed to be in the car. And I don't know what happened. I got to talk to Phil, Jake's dad, and find out what happened. But he had told me that Jake was going to be in the car, and then they put Caden Honeycutt in it. So um, I guess Cook Brothers had a different uh, a different uh, idea. So anyways, from there, then we go to Shadhan Durrani methodically battled his way from his sixth starting position to finish second. Hingarani, who entered with a one-point advantage over Lewis in the Arc of Anard Series West, championship standings now unofficially leads Trevor Huddleston and Tyler Reef, who are tied for second by 37 points. Wow, wow. So that's going to be a battle over these next three races, that second-place finish. Uh, Tanner Rice finished third to match his best finish of the season. He also finished third in the July race, that July race that took place at Irwindale Speedway. And Joey East made his first West start of the 2023 season, assuming driving duties of the number 88 Ford for Naked Car racing from Bradley Erickson, finishing fourth. Atsuza finished fifth. That was his third top five finish of the season and his sixth career top five finish at All-American Speedway. Uh, Buddy Shepard finished sixth in his first start of 2023. Uh, do you think he's going to race next season in the Arca West full-time? Buddy, nah. Nah, he ain't going to race full-time. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Just a thought. He's got it. Eric Nesson. Yeah, he's got it. He has a... Go ahead. He's got a baby, and uh, and I mean, yeah, he 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 won't he won't he won't race full time next year. Okay, Eric Nasimeno earned his fourth consecutive top ten finish in seventh place. In his first start since the third race of the season at Kern County Raceway Park. R.J. Smotherman finished eighth, driving for team owner John Wood. Eric Johnson Jr. finished a career best ninth in a second entry for Bill McAnally Racing at the team's home track. Takuma Koga rounded out the top ten despite being involved in in two of the night's seven cautions. Wow. In his second race for Tom Kelly Souza Central Coast Racing Team, Tyler Reif earned his second consecutive general tire pole award but a flat tire late in the race cost him three laps and dropped him to a 13th place finish. Mechanical problems on lap nine sent Trevor Huddleston to the pits for 37 laps, dropping him to 15th at the finish. Wow, so that's why he's 37 back. 
The next race for the Arkham Art Series West is that Star Nursery 150 at the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, coming up Friday, October the 13th. The race will be set, streamed live on Float Racing starting at 10.10 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be 7.10 p.m. Pacific Time. And it will be shown on a tape-delayed basis on CNBC at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific uh, on Saturday, October the 28th. So uh, that's what we've got for the ARCA West. Uh, that race for Caden Honeycutt uh, was really amazing because uh, that was a series debut for him. Yeah, it was. He had never raced in the Arca in the um, in the Arca West or Arca East series. Yeah, we've seen him run select races in the Truck series and in the Xfinity series, uh, but this was a debut in the Arca West. So that was pretty uh, pretty cool. He took the lead this past uh, just a few laps into Saturday night's race, uh, and he, has, he got that advantage and then never relinquished it. Uh, again, driving for Crook Racing Technologies, uh, the 20-year-old from Willow Park, Texas, completely dominated the 150-lap event. Uh, so it looked like he pretty had, had it pretty much in hand uh, for m- most of the night. Yeah, he did. But John I, he was... Hindle... Go, go ahead. No, go no ahead. I was just going to say, he he was my pick. Well, once, once I found out he was in the car, he was my pick to win the race. Oh, very cool. Sean Hingarani, though, made him work for that victory. After a restart with 15 laps to go, Hingarani found himself hounding Honeycutt and pushing the leader into just about every corner. Eventually, though, Honeycutt's, Honeycutt's strength prevailed, and he was able to gain enough separation over the final five laps to hold off the charging venture any motorsports driver. So uh, very, very cool that he was able to do that. Um, Honeycutt also finished 38th in his lone Xfinity Series start uh, in April for Mike Harmon at Martinsville Speedway, and he's in his second year as a part-time driver in the Craftsman Truck Series. He has a couple of top 10 finishes in 10 Truck Series starts thus far, uh, driving for a handful of uh, different race teams. So um, very cool there. Uh, Let's go over the points for the West here. All right, the points for the West are um, Sean Higurani in first, uh, followed by Trevor Huddleston in second. Uh, him and Tyler Reef, as we said earlier, are both tied for second. And then fourth is Bradley Erickson, who's racing for a new team. Fifth is Landon Lewis, who, did, who was a no-show this race. Sixth is Tanner Reif. Seventh is Todd Sousa. Eighth is Eric Nascimento. Ninth is David Smith or Kyle Keller, and 10th is uh, Takuma Koga. Yes, indeed. So, uh, yeah, this one's pretty much decided as well. We'll find out if Sean uh, is able to clinch that championship at this next race. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see uh, the battle between Trevor Huddleston and, and Tyler Reif 
and then really not far behind them is Bradley Erickson. So the battle really goes down to sixth place, I think, with Tanner Rice. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it is when you look at it. Uh, but like I said, um, with uh, with three races left, uh, Trevor still has a Trevor and Tyler both still have uh, a good chance of catching um, Sean Hingarani. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens at this next race, um, and that's in Las Vegas. I, I'm kind of looking forward to to being there. I did get credentials this year, Sal. Oh, you did? That's good. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be able to cover it while I'm there, uh, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you did. Yep. I wasn't sure if I was going to be approved or not, so I was glad when that came through. Um, yeah, I don't see, I don't see why they wouldn't approve you. So, okay. Um, we've already gone over. Well, there are some articles. Let me let me do mention this. There are several articles about the ARCA West race as well over at ARCAracing.com. And let me just kind of highlight some of those articles because um, you've got uh, the the recap behind the scenes from the Napa Auto Parts 150 and All All American highlights. You can watch the top moments in the West Series visit to Roseville, California. Hayden Honeycutt, uh, they've got an interview from him. He said, I really, I needed it really bad. And then looking back at William Sawalich's and Joe Gibbs Racing's uh, ARCA East Series title, and then if you ever want to know what the broadcast schedule is, they do have that available over at ARCAracing.com. Yeah, so there's some articles for you guys to go uh check out on your free time if you're not doing anything. Yes, indeed. Keep in mind, too, they always have the race center available along with radio coverage at ARCAracing.com for a lot of these events. So if you can't see it on TV or on uh, live streaming, check out the radio broadcast. All right. Um now, let's go ahead and move on to our um, the review of the uh, truck series race that took place at Tel uh, Vega Super Speedway. Brett Moffat, of course, was the winner there uh, this weekend. I'm pulling that up. I'm, we're doing this a little bit sooner than I had anticipated. Okay. It was the Love's RV Stop 250, Brett Moffat at stage 31, driving the number 34 Freight Auctions Ford for uh, uh, Bob Jenkins and the crew chief was Seth Barber. So it was his 13th victory in 93 Craftsman Truck Series races, his first victory and first top 10 finish of the season, 
and his first victory and third top ten finish in four races at Talladega. Uh, Brett Moffat, of course, is a previous uh, champion in the truck series. He normally races in the Arkham, uh, I'm sorry, in the Xfinity series. So this was a one-off race for him this season. Um, Ben Rhodes ended up finishing second, posting his third top ten finish in eight races at Talladega Super Speedway and his twelfth top ten finish of the season. Dean Thompson finished third, posting his first top ten finish in two races at Talladega. Daniel Dyan, sixth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And uh, we'll cover the recap of this race as well. Um, Brett Moffat pretty much uh, made it a three-wide move uh, as the race was winding down there. Uh, he pulled off an amazing three-wide move on the front to the front during an overtime restart to claim his victory on Saturday. Uh, former series champion's first series race of this season ending with his first super speedway victory. Okay, following two red flags and an overtime finish, the win was the first of the season uh, for um, Brett Moffat. Then it was Ben Rhodes, uh, followed by Dean Thompson. Uh, Chandler Smith in fourth, and Corey Hahn finished in fifth. Then it was Daniel Dye, Nick Sanchez, Haley Deegan, Parker Kligerman, and Wallace Allen rounding out the top ten. Sanchez started from the pole. He led 25 laps and won the opening stage before finishing seventh. Kligerman won stage two and finished in ninth. Playoff drivers to not finish within the top ten include Carson Hosefar with an 11th place finish. Grant Infinger finished 13th. Christian Eckes in the 19 car finished 19th. Ty Majeski in 21st. And Zane Smith finished 32nd. There were 23 lead changes among 11 drivers and eight cautions for 41 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 108.136 miles per hour. The margin of victory in this race was really close, 0.089 thousandths of a second. Your thoughts about the top ten finishers because – we had some playoff drivers in there, but only three in the top ten. Yeah, it was a good race. It was good all the way all the way up until the end. Um, it was a, a really uh, uh, congratulations on the win to, to Brett Moffat, who you know who pulled the win off. It was uh, it was a crazy finish, I'll tell you that. But um, you know, a lot of a lot of action happening. You know, and uh, which is the trucks always. You know, they always give us a good race. And uh, um, it was good to see Daniel Dye, who, who just who just took over that ride this year, and finishing. You know, picked up a sixth place finish. So that'll be his uh, that'll be his ride for the for all of next season. So that was just a little preview of what to see coming out of him. Lawless Allen picking up a top ten. Yeah, that was uh, cool. Yeah, it was a, I'll tell you, it was a, sure it was a battle. Okay, there were uh, 19 cars finishing all 99 laps of the race. Uh, And then, uh, 
one other car, Jake Drew, uh, finished a lap down. Uh, but several cars, and we'll be talking about part of this, I guess. I guess there were a couple other cars running multiple laps down. Jason White in 27th place. Um, Jake Garcia in 29th place. And Zane Smith was still running, although he was multiple laps down uh, at the end of this race. Uh, but several other several accidents uh, during this race and a cup uh, DVP and uh, but uh, Brian Duzat was out on lap five due to handling uh, David Gilliland who I thought might win this race was actually out on lap 38 along with Stuart Friesen uh, because of an accident lap 50 it was Tyler Ankrum uh, that was out because of an accident. Bailey Curley was out on Curry was out on lap 58 due to an accident. Tyler Hill on lap 59. Then in the lap 84, it was Chase Purdy out because of an accident. Lap 91, Greg Van Alt along with Tanner Gray, and were all out because of an accident on that lap. And then lap 92, it was Colby Howard. Lap 93, Corey Roper was out because of the damaged vehicle policy. Also in lap 93, it was time ejecty out because of an accident. So a lot of accidents in this particular race. I know we'll be talking about uh, one in particular during our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion. Uh, were you able to watch the race, Sal? Yes, I was able to, this, this race I was able to watch. We watched it before we, before we went out and uh... – um, well, I, I guess there was a Matt Crafton versus Nick Santez duel after the race. Yeah. Off the yeah, track. well, that that didn't come out. That didn't come out till way after. But you know, when they show the replay, you know, of, of Nick, you know, well, actually, when he when he initially hit, you know, uh, um, the back of a. Uh, uh, Matt Crafton's truck. You know, Matt was Matt was already upset when he when he left the. He just wanted he wanted somebody. Yeah, well, NASCAR is going to investigate the situation. Uh, there's two different versions, of course. There's the Sanchez version of what happened, and there's the Crafton version. Uh, it seems like all the video supports the um, uh, Sanchez version. Uh, Sanchez said some things he probably shouldn't have said, uh, but Matt Crafton uh, shouldn't have done what he did either. Yeah, that, that's true, but, you know, it, it happened and they did it, so, you know, see how NASCAR's going to handle it as far as, um, as, uh, as, far as uh, uh, penalizing the two drivers. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was a veteran versus a rookie, too, which I think makes it look look kind of bad as well. So, interesting stuff. Okay, let's look at the yeah, uh, driver point standing. Okay, the driver point standing for you the trucks to... is... Huh? Was there anything else you wanted to point out? No, no, that was, that was basically it. It was just a um, crazy race, and uh, like I said, we'll see what happens when. Uh, let's see, where's the points that I just had them? Come on, new computer, because yep. I left mine at work. 
Hmm. I left my laptop at work, so I'm using one of my spare ones, and it doesn't it doesn't play like the other one does, but it's all right. Here we go. So, as far as the points are, we got four drivers above and four drivers below the cut line. Yeah, here we go. Corey Heim, uh, up on top. Carson Hosevar in second. Christian Eckes in third. Nick Sanchez in fourth. And then from there we go to Grant Enfinger, um, Ben Rhodes, Ty Majeski, and Dane Smith. And they're talking about Dane Smith when he came in after he hit his crew crew guy. And then he had issues with his truck and um there, they had already said that Zane was on a on a he has to win next week's situation in order to make the in order to make the next round. Yeah, it's been tough on former champions. Uh, uh up at the top it's pretty tight between uh well Corey Heim is clinched into the next round of championship four. Yeah, Carson's just yeah. ten points back. Eckie's 24 back, and Nick Sanchez, 30 back. But when you go to Grant Infinger and the guys that are below the cut line, they're all 30 or more points back. So Grant Infinger, 33 points back. Ben Rhodes, 35 points back. Ty Majeski, 49 points back, along with Zane Smith, 66 points back. Uh, Those guys are all in a must-win situation if they want to get into the championship four. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite understand um, uh, Christian Eckes on that last restart. Why? Yeah, uh, that was why he went so high. Yeah, he knew that there was no lineup there, and it just he just faded up there. And I'm watching him like, wow, he's he's going a little too far. You know, he was too far. I mean. There was there was no coming back once you're up there in that in that top in that top line. Yeah, I had picked Christian Eckes for this week too, so I went from being uh, up front to all, going all the way back. So yeah, that was heartbreaking to watch. But you're right; it was a miscalculation. He 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 uh, he, he wishes he had that one back. I'm sure. I mean, he had to go block, but, you know, he should have just, you know, tried to stay in that second line. I think he went, you know, I think he came a little bit too hot. He couldn't slow it down enough, you know, to stay in that, you know, that second yeah. group and just ended up having to float all the way to the top. Yep, yep, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, now the truck series uh, will not be racing this weekend. Their next race is their elimination race, but it's at Homestead Miami Speedway, and that's going to be on October the 21st, 1 p.m. Eastern time. It's a Saturday. The green flag should fall sometime around 12:15, and it will be televised as always on Fox Sports One, radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Qualifying will be practice and qualifying will be on Friday. October the 20th at 4.05 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but uh, we've got to wait a week before well, we see the elimination race for this truck series. Any predictions you want to make, Sal? 
Nah, it's kind of hard. Corey Heim, you know, is, looks, he looks, you know, tough. Um, I don't know, Chris, Christian Eckes, he's, he's, he's putting himself in, in positions to win. He, he could be a... He could be one of one of the surprises, you know, to go out there, you know, and, and win it all. Yeah, I think so. He's he's been really, really good in the playoffs. Uh, that was uh, not a good thing that happened <laughs> at Talladega, but that's kind of part of what happens at Talladega. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think there are a number of drivers that are below the cut line that could pull off the win and shake things up in this uh, Final Four that contend for the title at Phoenix. Yeah, there is. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, see who makes it, you know, into the Final Four. Um, There's drivers that are outside the Final Four that that wanted it so bad. Uh, You know, know, all all they can do is wait now for for their next race. But... um, It's, it's gonna. I'll tell you, it's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good, a good shot at uh, who gets in. That is true. Uh, we should also kind of note that Stuart Prison um, was transported to the hospital after the wreck at Talladega. Uh, Greg Van Alst was also transported to the UAB hospital following that wreck in Talladega where he was diagnosed with a fractured vertebrae. He was released early this morning, uh, and that was Saturday, Sunday morning. Uh, so uh, Stuart Friesen's Twitter shared that he was released from the hospital overnight. As of 12.25 a.m., NASCAR Truck Series driver at the number 15 Toyota Tundra DRD Pro was treated, evaluated, and released from the hospital after an on-track incident. Uh, both of them involved in, in incidents, in two separate incidences uh, that uh, at uh, Talladega this past weekend. I'm glad to hear that they're both home, uh, but it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, for Greg Van Holtz, uh to uh, recover from a fractured vertebrae. Did you hear about that, Sal? No, Sal, I did Do I still have you with me? Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? My my phone's going. It's going back and forth. I don't know why. There it goes. Okay, oh. now it's back hooked up again. Okay. Uh, well, that's good. We've got a little bit of time here. I'm gonna. I've told you uh, when the next race is for the truck series. I also want to tell you when the next race is for the Xfinity series because the Xfinity series did not race uh, this past weekend, but they will be racing at the Charlotte Roval on October the seventh. That's Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and it will be televised on NBC. They'll have practice and qualifying starting at 10.30 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, So uh, that's going to be an interesting race for the Xfinity Series. I believe, let me look at the schedule here. I want to see where that falls into their uh, schedule. Uh, 
for the Xfinity Series. Um, okay, the round of eight. Yeah, that's going to be an elimination race. I thought it was, but I wanted to just double check. Yeah, it is. Oh, wait a second. The elimination yeah. race for the Cup Series. For the Xfinity Series, is it an elimination for the Xfinity 2, Sal? Uh, it is. I, you know what? I, I think it is, yeah. I think they said it was. Yeah, it's an el- two elimination races this weekend on the Charlotte Oval. So uh, it's going to be high-octane racing for sure with a lot of uh, nervous people on the track. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going okay. to be some good racing. And then um, see, how our, uh, see how our boy um, um, Riley Herbst uh, and uh, Cole Custer come out of it. Yes, you know, Riley Earps looked really good in, in the in the uh, Cup Series race that we'll talk about after our upcoming guest. Why don't you give oh, us a man. preview he of did. your? He did. Give us a preview though of your guest that's coming up here, Sal. Yeah, our our guest is uh, coming up. He's um he's uh he's he's been a fan fan of racing for for a while um I, I met him i don't even know i forgot where i met him at i met him in one of the races he's a big blaine uh blaine perkins fan he followed blaine and uh even made some road trips out to see blaine race when blaine was racing arc when blaine was racing in the canon west series and wow then, um, he became a Derek. yeah he was a huge blaine blaine perkins fan and um and then, uh, and then he became a a Derek Thorne fan, and um, and then uh, kind of picked up on some sponsoring, you know, some of our short track drivers, you know, around around the area, around here, um, in the SRL series, you know, helping them out, you know, with the. Uh, it's always hard for these guys, you know. I talked to a lot of them, you know, and and you know, as we both know, Sharon, you know that sponsorship isn't easy, you know, and and it's hard for them, you know, any little bit, any little bit helps. I mean, you know, gas, tires, um, you know, hotel rooms, you know, to put the, you know, the crew up, um, food for them to eat, you know, uh, you know, just stuff like that, you know, so, um, you know, he, he, he throws a little, he throws a, uh, a, a kibble here and there, you know, out to the different drivers, you know, to help them out while he's still, um, while he's still uh, being a fan, you know, going, you know, going to different races um, up and down the coast. And um, he's a good friend of mine. He lives out here by where I live, you know, so we, we do a lot of, we do a lot of things together, you know, but um, it's just kind of neat, you know, to see, you know, how he went from, uh, like I said, from being a fan from, you know, and, uh, you know, to where he is now, you know, you know, helping out the drivers and stuff like that. You know, he helps out Seth White, he helps out Derek a little bit. And uh, I'm not sure which other, which other, he helps out Scott Sanchez. I don't think he helps out Scott Sanchez, but, um, well, you know, so he he's here now. If you want to, I've got him in the queue already. If you want to go ahead and introduce him and um, uh, start the interview and, um, okay. Just remember, we've got uh, we still have a review to do. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, our next our next guest is Daryl Abbott. He's he's a uh, he's a fan slash sponsor. 
you know, uh, slash, I guess you could say slash worker too. He helps, you know, helps one of the teams out here. And, uh, you know, it's kind of neat, you know, that, you know, we can get different, different people on the show. You know, we've had tire, tire specialists. We've had spotters. We've had team owners. We've had, of course, drivers, um, you know, all the, all just different, different facets of the sport, you know, and, uh, you know, and, a lot of people are realizing all these people are everyone's important to the sport of racing, whether you're a fan or a team owner, you know what, everyone has their spot, you know, and without the fans, without the team owners, without the sponsors, without everybody involved, you know, what, we wouldn't even have a sport to watch. So with that, we just want to welcome Daryl to the show. Welcome to the show, Daryl. Hi, Sal. Hi, Sharon. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Everything Sal just said is kind of how I look at the at the racing world. I mean, without without the drivers and the sponsors and the owners and um, uh, people like yourself, there wouldn't be that uh, that attraction to it. So, how how do you go from being a fan to being a sponsor? Because I, I know you've been a fan for a long time. I gosh, I can't even remember what race we met at. I I I know we spent time at Sonoma. We spent time even as far as as far as Utah, you know, Salt Lake City, Utah, out there at uh, Miller Motorsports Park. But how do you be, how do you go from a fan to being a to being a um, sponsor? Well, you mentioned that race. I mean, um, that's the race that uh, that. Um, Noah Gregson won both races that weekend. Anyways, but I was actually at that race in Utah with Blaine Perkins. So I'll tell you real quick, because I know you guys got other stuff to do. So it all started in 1979. A friend of mine's dad worked worked with uh, a company that worked worked alongside with the Riverside Race Racetrack. So um, I was 10 years old, and I was his son's friend. So. They invited me, and then ever since then, I've been kind of stuck. I mean, I started off by saying, you know, get your programs here, and I'd get I'd get a free entry. So, and before that, I grew up. My uncle raced uh, drags, not drags, but funny cars up in Seattle, Washington. So, I had that familiar. You know, it was something that was talked about in our house. And um, so then I started selling programs at 10 years old, and then through that time. Um, I met my girlfriend, Trisha Hendrick, 10 years ago, and, you know, I was watching NASCAR, and I got her to play uh, play a game with me with NASCAR and racing, and she's like, this is cool. She enjoyed it. So one day she mentions, you know, my sister has a race car, and I was like, okay. I mean, you know, a lot of people have cars, and they race them. So it ended up being uh, Wendy Portengay, Steve Portengay's wife. So that got me into – visiting them and them inviting us out to Kern Raceway. And this was about probably about eight years ago. And because of that, I mean, I didn't know anything about the pits. I'd been in the pits, but I never touched the car, pushed the car, did any of that. And it just so happened there was a situation where Steve needed something, so I went and got it for him. And before you know it, I was kind of in the way. And and they said, well, since you're in the way, why don't you help us? So it wasn't much help in the K&N series because you had to have a, 
a certain, you know, you have to have your license and all that, whatever. It's, I'm not sure what it's called, but you have to be signed up for it. Well, within time, I actually got signed up for it, and I had a NASCAR um, card. So uh, before you know it, I here I am in the pits. I'm not doing much. That's that's where I, I met. Uh, uh, that's where I met a lot of the guys like Blaine Perkins and his dad Ryan Perkins, and and then just everybody from there. Um, I met Brian and Adam Baker, the Baker brothers. Um, so I do a little bit of help with them. Not not too much anymore, but. There was a point they they could have used a little bit of help, so I helped them out. So that's when I became, you know, like a sponsor. Like, you know, it was one of those things they were on. They were reaching out. Hey, if anybody wants to help us out, we're kind of in a dilemma. And I sent them a messenger or or text or something, and that's where it all started. And I, I heard you mention Scott Sanchez. You know, Scott's, Scott's a good friend of mine. I like Scott. He's got his sticker on the car, and... Eventually, I'll give Scott something. Maybe, maybe, maybe give him a night out or something. But, um, and then with Derek, same thing with Derek. I was taking pictures and stuff like that, kind of getting in the way. And Dave Reeves said you should go to uh, go to Snowball Derby, and so that's the first. That was the first opportunity to to do something with the with uh, the Campbell Motorsports. They had no affiliation with me. I had kind of just walked in and just went to the race and just kind of hung out by the by the trailer and never since then i've just been at the track um i've been able to get some work from the 2017 john moore so that's a little bit of my history there's a lot more in between all that but you can see my affiliation with some of these cars it's it's pretty much oh and seth wise is one of them um i spent the year uh, 2022 supporting him a little bit i say a little bit because it's not a huge amount but they let me become part of the team that way and and um and what I like to do is like, uh, you know, kind of like just root him on, and here he, you know, here he won a championship, and that felt good to me. Never touched the car, but I felt part of the team because his family, his family is so, so, so giving, and they're such good people. And pretty much everybody at the track is, it's, a, it's, you want to think of it as like a big family, and it's not because we're all, not really rooting for each other. I mean, we don't. We're, you know, everybody wants that one win. There's one flag at the end of each race. Um, but from from my looking in from where I'm at, I, I believe everybody's supporting each other. Nobody wants people to have issues with the cars and stuff. They just want a good race. That, that makes it fun. So, so, so as, as the years gone on, you know, you know, you went all the way back, you know, all the way back to the Porsche days, you know, with the. Uh, you know, with NASCAR, and then, you know, now, you know, like you said, you know, now you're helping John, you know, John Moore at, at you know, at, uh, you know, it is with his racing program. And uh, so with all that, how do you find time to, uh, you know, between work, you know, then, um, you know, uh, you know, dealing, you know, with John's schedule, you know, with his, uh, with his SRL schedule, you know, then, you know, whoever else, you know, you might be helping out there. Well, hands-on, I'm only hands-on with uh, the Moore team, the 27. Um, and it it's pretty much averages out about once a month. So I just take that as, you know, as I just make time for that to get away. And I own my own business. I, I have I actually, on the on the cars, I have a sticker that's, that's hashtag Destin 
the number four destruction, destined for destruction. And that's another story. That's a story that I was going to do something with many years ago. So when uh, uh, Derek had actually reached out to me and asked me, he goes, man, you help out a lot. He was complimenting me about what I was doing for for um, just the involvement with the team back when 43 was running. And um, I gave him that. And he came up with Destined for Destruction action figure. So it was kind of a cool sticker. And I go, let's go with that. Uh, but I'm actually Daryl's septic pumping. I'm Daryl's pumping here in Riverside County, uh, Southern California. Um, but my job, my business is centrally located within like 50 miles. So for me to be on a car that's going to Florida, it makes no difference. So I just did something fun with it. I thought eventually I'd do something with the Destin for Destruction. I mean, I've had a punk band and stuff like that. And, just do fun stuff. So that's pretty much why I go to the track once a month. I, I've had the opportunity uh, through Derek. Derek Thorne, Derek Thorne reached out a couple years ago and said that um, um, one of the 5150 cars um, guys couldn't make it and, you know, would I like to get paid to come help. And ever since then, I think that was like three years ago, ever since then, I if they need somebody, I, I get a call. Um, I'm pretty much full-time with John Moore when it comes to the SRL series, the Supers. Um, as you know, uh, Cole Moore just won a couple days ago up in um, Roseville, uh, but that was the Pro Series, so I, I don't get involved in the Pro Series stuff. Um, but when it's the Supers, it's, it's, it's something I get to do, and I'm very thankful for the, you know, for JM Environmental and uh, John Moore and them, so Derek, Derek included. Without Derek uh, letting John know that I'm available, I wouldn't have the opportunity to go to the races and hang out. I mean, I, I could on my own time, but it's not the same. I, once my hands were on the car, I just just enjoy it. And then they give me they give me the opportunity to take some pictures and stuff and kind of kind of beef, beef up the day, you know, make make it a little bit more you know, fun. I guess you can say that's why I do it. I think it's fun. Now, with that, Gerald, you know, I'm going to turn it over to Sharon, our the host, because I know, I know Sharon has some, you, you, some you questions. You got it. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Uh, again, <laughs> thanks for being on the show with us tonight, uh, Daryl. Uh, I can't tell you, and you probably know this already, just how important what you do is to short track racing. Uh, sponsorship is one of the hardest things for drivers to come up with. And so if you're out there helping support these teams, uh, that is really very, very huge. Um, I love your story, and uh, uh, I, 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 I'm just really impressed with um, how, how important it is what you're doing. Well, I thank you so much. So you guys have you. such a great show. Every time I have an opportunity, I definitely listen. Um, um, I'm not a big sponsor, so I'm not someone you're going to see on the hood and all that. I'm, but it, I mean, if someone were to call me and go, "Hey, you know, I need a ride," well, I'm there for you. Um, as far as uh, financial sponsor, I, I very lightly, I, I call it more or less, uh, uh, you know, you're, the, the the guys I sponsor. I think they've got enough big sponsors, but I think just like you said, just being a part of it and maybe just helping out a little bit, um, I got you. is a good thing. Yeah, it, it, uh, uh, Cole Raz is going to 
is he just uh, acknowledged that told everybody he's going to be up the snowball derby. So I got a sticker on his car. It's not a big sponsorship, but it's, it's some help, you know, you know, if you can buy a tire for somebody or something, all that helps. So, so like I said, if you had four guys and they all bought you a tire, you'd have four of them. <laughs> That's right. So it, 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 I, I do agree. I, I do agree with the sponsorship <laughs> thing. It, it's uh, any little bit helps. And, um, and and just to be part of a car, just it's kind of a thrill for me. I, I wish I I wish I could do more, but I do what I can. I I do kind of feel like a lot of people that are involved in in uh, sports. Uh, Sal and I were big race fans. I mean, we started out as race fans, and it's kind of developed into this. So I can see how it can develop. Uh, you know, and you you have a different situation. You're in a situation where you can, uh, you know, help out these teams with moral support, with physical support, <laughs> uh, a couple bucks here and there. Uh, I think that's wonderful. So, just um, uh, it, it, I just want to say thanks for all that you're doing. How how can fans Thank follow you. you if they want to follow what you're doing from week to week? Uh, they they can just actually go to a hashtag because it's all over the internet. Um, it, a lot of it's a lot of it's not uh, not a lot of it's not just one thing I do, but it's just multiple things. I mean, a lot, when you generally when you run like a show or something like that, it's about the show. Me, it's about you know it, it could be grandpa's taking the kids to the movies. So it's it's uh, but but a lot of it is the racing. Um, uh, they can they can follow me. They can go directly to my Facebook. I mean, I'm not blocked. I, I, so. Um, but they, okay. they can also go to just, just go to the internet. Uh, destined for destruction. The four is the number, so destined for destruction. It's a hashtag. So hashtag destined for destruction, and you'll see videos for the last few years. You'll see some old videos of Derek winning, like I don't know, ten, eleven races in a row. So all, all that, all that's in there. That's stuff they can find on on under destined for destruction. And like I said, it's not really. A, a business or a company right now, but it's something for fun, and and I I do it, and I I do it because I like like you guys said that you you enjoy racing, you enjoy the atmosphere, the people, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I do. I just myself in there, and you know, I, and uh, I've had the opportunity, thankful for the people that have asked me to come back. Yes, well, we'll have to have you come back on the show at some point. Um, uh, I know Sal uh, was excited to have you on as well as me, and uh, we're going to have to close out this segment at this point. But, Sal, did you have something? Oh, no, that was it. I just, you know, just want to thank him for coming on. I know he's a very, very busy person right now at this time of the year, and, um, you know, and you know, take the time out of your schedule to come on. I just want to thank you for that. No, I appreciate you guys. Thanks again, Sharon and Sal. You guys have a wonderful evening, and um, yeah, we will do this again. Maybe we'll have some other questions, and maybe get more deep into it. But um, I'll, I'll leave it with: I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for you know, like I said, the John Moore team and Derek Thorne, uh, the Campbell team, Courtney Gay, uh, back in the past. Uh, that's all. All of them have really gotten me where I'm, where I'm at as far as being involved in the SRL series, and I'm looking forward to uh, the Snowball Derby this year. We'll see if uh, we'll see if we can get Derek Thorne <laughs> out there to win it again. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would totally be awesome. 
Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, and we'll look forward to seeing you again somewhere down the road. Thanks, Sharon. You guys have a good night. (laughs) Okay. Take care. Okay. Good night. Bye, Sal. All right. Uh, That was uh, Daryl Abbott, Destined for Destruction. I didn't put the numeral four in there. It's just like fan four racing. Uh, And I did look it up, and there's quite a bit of information out there under that hashtag. So check that out and uh, follow what Daryl Abbott is doing. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, do our review here for the Cup Series. Um, Ryan Blaney was my pick. (laughs) So he made up for what happened with Christian Eckes. At age 29, the number 12, Menards Pennzoil Ford. For Team Pinsky with Johnson Hassler as the crew chief, it was uh, Blaney's ninth victory in 301 Cup Series races, his second victory and 14th top 10 finish this year, and the third victory and eighth top 10 finish in 19 races at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, William Byron finished second. He posted his fourth top 10 finish in 12 races at Talladega, and his 17th Top 10 finish this season. Denny Hamlin finished third. That was his 16th top 10 finish in 36 races at Talladega. And Ty Gibbs, who finished 34th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. It was a thriller at Talladega in advance of the, of the uh, for Ryan Blaney to advance in the Cup Series playoffs. He crossed the finish line about a foot ahead of Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick to claim victory in a thrilling 10-lap push to the Yellow Wood 500 checkered flag at Talladega. Uh, with the crucial playoff win, Blaney's third on the famed 2.66-mile high, high bank, the driver of the number 12 Team Pitsby Ford punched his ticket into the next round of the playoffs, and he was below the cut line coming into this race. Uh, he was just points away from elimination at the Talladega Green Flag. Uh, just a side note, Kevin Harvick was eventually disqualified from the race due to windshield fasteners not being secure. He was moved from second to 38th place finish. The results and standings have all been updated. Um, We mentioned William Byron in second, Danny Hamlin in third. Then it was Corey LaJoy and Austin Sendrick rounding out the top five, followed by Justin Haley, Chase Elliott, Ryan Priest, Riley Erbst, and Daniel Suarez. I was so happy for Riley Erbst. Um, The poll winner, Eric Almarola, ran up front for much of the day, but he ended up finishing in 18th. Uh, Blaney ran second to Harvick for a number of laps near the end of the race, but he took the lead with one lap left and held off Harvick by 12 one-thousandths of a second for the win. Uh, Playoff drivers that had problems during the race include Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell suffered damage on the final lap of the first stage when Ricky Stenhouse Jr. ran out of fuel. Chastain Chastain suffered the most damage and could not continue. He ended up in 37th place. Hamlin was caught speeding on pit road during a green flag pit stops in stage two. He had to serve a pass-through penalty and lost a lap 
He got the free pass with 25 laps left and battled back to finish fourth. Brad Keselowski was involved in an accident with 27 laps remaining. He ended up finishing in 32nd place. Stage one was won by Brian Blaney. Stage two by Brad Keselowski. There were 70 lead changes among 24 drivers in five cautions for 17 yellow flag laps. There were 10, there was a 10 minute red flag for safer barrier repair with 25 laps left in the race. The average speed of the race was 160.097 miles per hour. Again, that margin of victory was just amazing at 12 one thousandths of a second. Uh, we had four playoff drivers in the top ten. So, your thoughts? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was neat. Um, too bad that Kevin Harvick got uh, got um, DQ'd. And you know, it's it's funny because usually a DQ. They just take points and all that, but man, they took his, they put him all the way to the back. They took his whole position away. Yep. Yep. He lost a lot of points. You know, which, yeah. Which gave, you know, William Byron, you know, the second, you know, gave him the second spot, you know, moved, moved, basically moved everybody up a spot. Um, but, um, man, I'll tell you, that was one heck of a finish. I didn't, I didn't know who finished where because everybody was, was sliding sideways and, um, I guess Riley Herbst ended up getting him a top ten, um, sliding mm-hmm. sideways. But he was he was battling for the win too. He's the one that gave uh, that gave Ryan Blaney that push, and then uh, yep. Corey Lahoy yep. got behind him. And, and oh man, if, if Corey wouldn't have been on his tail the way he was, Riley probably would have had a, he would have had a top five finish easy. But um, you know what? Ryan Blaney, part of thanks, uh, Riley. Ryan Blaney, thanks, yeah, Ryan. Thanks Riley. Yeah, after the race, you know, for the push. But um, I'll tell you, that was one heck of a drag race to the finish between Blaney and um, Kevin Harvick. Well, there's a reason they call this a wild card race, that's for sure. Um, let's see. A lot of cars actually ended up finishing all 188 laps, 28 uh, 38 cars finished uh, all 188 laps. Uh, and uh, there's another three drivers um, that finished the race. Well, Kevin Harvick being one of them, another couple of drivers that finished the race, but finished uh, a couple, you know, multiple laps down. So uh, Kevin Harvick, we know what happened there. He ended up dead last. Ross Chastain was out on lap 59 because of that accident. J.J. Neely had a fuel pump issue. Uh, Carson Hosefar out because of an accident along with Ty Gibbs on lap 161. Actually, several drivers on that lap were out, uh, including Brad Keselowski, Austin Dillon, Ty Gibbs, and Carson Hosevar. Uh, a suspension issue took Harrison Burton out on lap 175. So not as many uh, accidents and issues, uh, but wow, what an exciting finish to a race this was. Yeah, it was. It was really exciting. And uh, um, gosh, I'm trying to still going through the finishing order to the bottom. 
Yeah, any other thoughts? Because we had, uh, I mentioned the four drivers that finished in the top ten. Uh, there were three, five, six, seven, eight people because they're showing um, uh, Chase Elliott as one of the playoff drivers. There were several drivers. Uh, I know. You know why? Drivers. Why does he keep showing him? Why does he keep showing Chase as a playoff driver? Because he's going for an owner playoff championship. Yeah, but so that doesn't have that doesn't have no significance as far as I know. I know. They're, they've got a P next to his name. Most popular driver. I notice that every every week. You know. Okay, let let's do the points real quick before we run out of time, Sal. Okay. So the points are let me work this new laptop. Okay, you're looking okay, at the so points? The, yeah, I'm here at the points. So the points are uh, Ryan Blaney in first, William Byron in second, Danny Hamlin in third, Christopher Bell in fourth, uh, Kyle Larson in fifth, Tyler Reddick. Next, after Tyler Reddick is Martin Truex Jr. Okay, you're looking at different points than I am. Because I've got William Byron first, Ryan Blaney second, then it's Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, here we go. So we got William Byron first, Ryan Blaney second, um, Denny Hamlin third, Christopher Bell in fourth. Chris Buescher in fifth. Mark Truex Jr. in sixth. Uh, Kyle Larson in seventh. Brad Keselowski in eighth. And, and below the cutoff that's line the is, uh, is Cross. And that's the cut line. <laughs> no, currently behind the cutoff is for round eight is uh, Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Kyle Busch. Right. Because they yeah. still have one more race to go before the cutoff. Yeah, the Charlotte Roval is the cutoff, but there, there are four drivers that are below that cut line right now. Yeah, and it's, um, it's Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Kyle Busch. Correct. Now, this one's a little bit closer because Brad Keselowski is two to the good, Tyler Reddick two to the bad. He's two bit behind. Uh, and Bubba's only nine points out, and Ross Chastain ten points out. Kyle Busch has the biggest hill; he's twenty six points back. Uh, but at the top of the li- of the cut line, you've got Kyle Larson; he's just fifteen points to the good. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. seventeen points to the good, and uh, Chris Buescher nineteen points to the good. Christopher Bell twenty two points to the good. Really, it's just those top three that seem to be pretty secure heading into Charlotte. Uh, the rest of these guys are all going to be battling for that uh, playoff berth to be above that cut line. Well, William Byron and Ryan Blaney already have a win. 
so they're already in. Right, I I got that. I'm talking about from yeah. Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin is 50, he's 50 points to the good, so I think he'll be okay. It's oh, the guys yeah. that are. Kyle Busch is in a is in a must win situation. Yeah, these guys are all going to be battling hard at uh, Charlotte Roval, and that race is coming up this weekend. Uh, the Bank of America Roval 400. Uh, will be at Charlotte Motor Speedway at 2 p.m. Sunday, October the 8th, and will be televised on NBC. They'll have practice and qualifying uh, starting at 12.30 on Saturday. So uh, all of that uh, will be televised. Uh, the practice and qualifying, by the way, will be on USA. But, uh, wow, we've got a lot to look forward to. You're going to be at a track this weekend, Sal? Yeah, this weekend we have our um uh we have our um what's we called our uh um championship night at Orndale Speedway. Oh nice, nice. Yeah, okay, we have our so that sounds night. like that'll be a lot of fun. I wish I could be there with you. And uh I hope you have a good time. Is Sandy gonna go with you? No, she'll stay home and work on the house, things she's got to do here, so okay. she'll uh, sit out. Well, well, we'll be back on air next Monday night for the review of the Roval races, and uh, we'll look for and the season finale for the Arkham Menard Series. Yeah. All right, everybody, you have a good evening. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you next Monday night. Good night. Well, take care. Bye-bye. All right. We're at the top of the hour, and that means it's time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our fan for racing crew. Uh, And Andy's going to be a little bit late. Tommy was going to be on, and something came up, and he's not going to be able to be on. So, Jay, it's just you and me to kind of start us off. Uh, So what do you got for me? Well, I I feel like nobody wants to play with me. I mean, this morning I had to get a ride by myself when I went to the uh, prison for ministry, and now tonight I come on, and yeah, nobody wants to come on with me. I feel like I'm the I'm the uh, (laughs) common factor here. Everybody's got busy schedules, I guess. Well, that's that's true, and I didn't realize. I knew Mike said he wasn't available, but I saw where he was trying to stream the race yesterday. That he's he said stuck over in Europe. Uh, I've been over there a couple of times. I don't know about being stuck over there, but (laughs) hopefully he's enjoying himself. (laughs) Well, I tell you what. While we're waiting, why don't you give us a fantasy update? Oh, well, and I kind of anticipate. Yeah. I kind of anticipated that might be where you were going to go. So the truck series will start there since they uh, raced at Talladega this weekend. Tommy's in the point lead at 134. Sharon, you're at 128. Sam is at 121. Mike at 117. And let me look at some notes I took. Yeah, okay. Um Andy and Brian at 106 and 105 still have a mathematical chance. Myself, James, and Owen have been eliminated. 
Uh, we can't uh, mm-hmm. gain enough points no matter what. So let's see. Xfinity. Sharon, you lead this one 160. Andy's 142. Brian, 140. And a gap down to Tommy, 115. Myself at 114. James, 112, along with Mike at 112. Sam at 110. And Owen at 97. Now, they got a few more races. So, Owen's at 27 points from being knocked out. Um, wow. They got, what, four, yeah, four races, I believe. So... Um, everybody's still in it for the most part until a final race or two. The truck series had got down to two races to go before somebody got knocked out. On the cup side, nobody has been eliminated yet, but James has controlled this all year long. He's at 201 points. Brian and Tommy are second at 171. That's 30 points. That's almost two full races just from wow. first to second. So, uh, Mike's at 169, Sharon 168, Owen 160, myself 158, Andy 154, and Sam 148. And there it's Sam uh, 37 points from being knocked out, Andy 43, myself 47, and then Owen 49. Um, but again, James is pretty much got that locked down realistically. And so overall, I put Sharon you at the top at 456, Tommy 420, Brian 416, Andy 402, Mike 398, James 394, Sam 379, myself at 367, Owen 331. And there again, Owen's 91 points from being cut out, myself 127, and then Sam 139. Um, But that's with a total of 14 races left for the overall. All right. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, Andy joined us. Uh, Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, I apologize if the audio is not so great. I am driving right now, and so I can't look at teams or anything, but... Um, I am here. So, Jay, you do have somebody else to talk to tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andy. We appreciate that. All right. Since uh, Andy's driving, I'm going to have Jay go ahead and pick out our first top topic. Well, it was Talladega, so there's always plenty to talk about. Uh, first one on our list, though, is Harvick's DQ. Uh, Kevin Harvick the number four team of Kevin Harvick was penalized for windshield fasteners not being tight. And I'm looking for the other word they used. Overall uh, assembly overall, of the car. There you go. Overall assembly of the car. Um, after finishing second place, it was DQ'd and thus got no points to include the stage points taken away he had gotten. And they're not going to appeal. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, this is kind of an interesting one. Um, I, I think it's pretty cut and dry, right? The rule book says the windshield has to be fastened. Somehow the fasteners came loose. Um, I didn't get the vibe that there was malicious intent behind this. I think that it was just an oversight in construction um, or something happened to the bolts. I don't really know what a loose windshield would do. From a competitive standpoint, I have to think that it wouldn't. So 
I get the feeling that this was just a mistake or or some kind of faulty bolt, I guess. Um, so, but I think that I think the penalty it's the crime. The rule book says what it says, and they weren't in conformity with the rule book, so you know they got disqualified. They won't get the points. I wouldn't really want to see any further penalties from this. I think they've suffered the penalty from from having you know this happen. So I think that they move on from it and figure out how to have that not happen again. But you know from what Rodney Childers posted on social media, which he basically said that it was just you know some kind of a faulty. Uh, bolt pieces, I guess, or maybe the silicone that was used to secure them failed. Uh, and yeah, I don't think it's really anything more than that. I didn't really get the vibe that this was some big scandal or anything. I think it was just faulty, faulty manufacturing or faulty parts, whatever it is. But um, obviously, um, gotta have a secure windshield. It's in the rule book, and it wasn't. So um, they they served the penalty for it. I honestly don't think there's anything more to it than that. Yeah, I don't think it was malicious. I hope it wasn't. I would say it's more of a safety concern. Can you imagine a windshield coming off during a race? Uh, what that, what kind of havoc that could uh, create? Uh, but the statement from Stuart Haas Racing regarding the NASCAR penalty leveled against the number four Cup Series team goes as follows. Uh, the statement is from Greg Zipidelli. He's the chief competition officer at Stuart Haas Racing. And um, he says, at the, comp- at the completion of the race, uh, not all of our windshield fasteners were secure as we had bolts that hold the windshield in place back out over the course of 500 miles. We're in the process of diagnosing why this happened and how to prevent it moving forward. We are disappointed in NASCAR's decision to disqualify our race car and the harder finish by our driver and team, but we will not appeal. Our complete focus is on remaining in, on the remaining races of this year's schedule. Um, I, I really... You got to wonder, was this the only car that this happened to? <laughs> um, and at Talladega, I know they don't look at every single car at the completion of the race. They they take select cars and look at those. But he obviously was one of those cars uh, that was uh, reviewed, and they did find those loose bolts. So I think a lot of it does have to do with safety. Uh, I don't fault NASCAR for the penalty. I think that uh, that that's a rule for a good reason, and um, it, the reason being the safety uh, on the track. So uh, we'll see how it moves forward, but uh, it looks like uh, Stuart House Racing is not going to appeal it. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I'm with I'm with y'all. I don't think in this particular case there was an intent with it. However, uh, and I had this discussion with some semi-casual race fans this morning, of you don't know, and that's why it, I do believe it is a safety thing in this particular case. But if you remember a few years back, it was the number four SHR team that was one of the ones that was designing braces in the rear windshield to buckle so that the, or to give way and break. 
Um, so the, the windshield would cave in, creating a different downforce. So that there's that question of, was this intentional? Give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's not. It's still a safety issue. has to be secure at the end of the race. Um, they're saying, okay, it was a parts failure. I kind of question why they wouldn't um, appeal it if they said, hey, it, it happened. It wasn't anything we did. But on the other hand, then, I know the answer has always been of you need to make sure your parts, you know, if you're using uh, not up to par parts, you know, that's your choice. And if it was a part failure that, although they didn't intend for it to do it, they didn't check it to make sure it was one that was going to hold or whatever, they need to change their procedure, uh, whatever silicon they use or whatever, if that's what they said came apart. Um, there is possibly, when I think about, I was talking about this this morning, the possibility of if that windshield were to lift up a little bit and air get under there, be an arrow advantage because, again, then arrow's getting into the car instead of going around. I know that that goes back to Ray Everham when they were moving air into the trunk uh, deck lid. So there is that slight possibility. And NASCAR's in a position, again, the rule is the rule. All they're doing is enforcing that. Uh, I think that SHR may have a case if they were to opt to appeal it, but uh, they have at this point at least stated they're not going to. So like Andy said, move on. I don't think, like you said, there's any other penalties. There was no L portion of the penalty, which normally implies they feel there was intent or it was an advantage on the track. This was just a safety, something's wrong, and they got to penalize. And the penalty was taking away his finishing position. And points. Andy? Yeah, so I think, you know, hit on some good points there for sure. Um, You know, I think that obviously the penalty was justified, just to reiterate a bit, just in light of the fact that, you know, the rules are rules. The windshield has to be secured, and it wasn't secured. Um, I would be curious to know if there if there was some kind of an advantage with that. I honestly don't know anything about it, and I do know that you know there are a lot of tricks of the trade. You know, and you hear stories going back years ago about air in the car, air out of the car, stuff like that. You know, trying to create downforce, trying to create speed. I just kind of got the feeling that this was something that kind of a freak thing that that happened where the bolts just weren't tight you know and and i rodney childers to me has never really come off as a as a liar i guess you could say like he's never given me he's never given me the chad canals type vibes you know so i don't know like he i tend to believe what he says but you know again a rule's a rule Everyone has to play by the same rule book, and, you know, they weren't found in compliance at the end of the day, so they have to suffer those consequences. And, you know, ultimately the result is they don't get to finish second. They don't get the stage points. I'm glad, I'm really glad, actually, that this wasn't the winning car. It almost was by a few inches, and it would have been quite a storyline, you know, had a, had a winner and disqualified. I don't think we've seen that yet. And I, I know I've said on the show before that I don't ever want to see that. And, you know, thankfully we were, 
you know, thankfully that didn't happen by only a few inches um, because that would have been quite the storyline this week to have a winner disqualified. So I'm glad that didn't happen, but they they obviously have to suffer the consequences from having a car that wasn't in compliance. So it is what it is, and hopefully they'll figure out what it was that, you know, prevents that from happening again. Yeah, if if I'm understanding what Jay said correctly, by allowing air into the cockpit, it gives them more downforce, right? So that is an aero well, advantage. It it can be um, a possibility. Uh, it's not always a guarantee, but the, when they were spending time in the wind tunnel, and that was back in the Ray Everham days. Um, yeah because then they were putting the pinholes and that's just allowing air through pinholes from the driver housing uh, cockpit into area into that deck lid, if you remember. And it was just pinholes, but it yeah. allowed that air to transfer differently. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. So, yeah. So there is a possibility uh, that they were looking for a uh, competitive advantage there. Uh, but I think, um uh, again they've got to be thinking about safety too and i agree with your point too about the bolts uh we haven't seen any penalties if there were faulty bolts or faulty um caulking or whatever that silicone um guys made it real clear and their their track record says that that is the team's responsibility to make sure that you're not using faulty pieces uh, so they're still accountable for that. Uh, if there's a problem with the vendor, they need to go to the vendor and resolve the issue with the vendor. Uh, but, yeah, NASCAR uh, has a track record with that, and I think it's the right track record that the teams have to review that stuff and make sure that they've got the correct uh, parts uh, versus faulty parts that they're using. And in this case, I think it is a big, big safety issue. Um, I would almost see them rather see them do pinholes than to be uh, playing around with the um, uh, windshield. But I, I tend to agree with Andy, too. I, I, I don't think that this was really intentional. It, it, I think it probably did give them a little bit of a competitive advantage, um, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, if they get caught uh, some more times, they were back to the first time uh, an accident, second time coincidence, by the third time it's a bad habit. So uh, I, I think it's okay at this point, and I think they're doing the right thing by not uh, appealing it. So, Jay, we'll let you have the final word. And let me be clear. I was just saying it was a possibility. I, in this case, obviously, like I said, do not think it was an intentional thing. The only reason I would say that they could possibly appeal it is that it was something that failed that they didn't have control of. But like you said, that's their responsibility. I think about, you know, the only other glue issue I could think of was is lug nuts. Um, and that's their responsibility, how they secure them. You know, if if a part fails, and the and the lug nut comes off now the single lug nut lug nut this is going back to the multi lug nut deal, but that's that's not on NASCAR. They said, hey, your job is to make sure it's secure. Whatever you got to use to do it, make sure it is, 
that's your responsibility, not ours. Ours is to check to make sure it is. Um, and, as, and I do think it's obviously a very strong safety issue, and I would sincerely hope that if they were possibly even thinking about trying to get an advantage, they wouldn't do so at the safety of a windshield coming off, because that can affect not only Kevin Harvick, uh, but other drivers, the fans, I mean, the race as a whole. So, yeah, I, by no means do I think this was. I just the fact that that team has had some things in the past, um, you know, puts that shadow of a doubt at least a question in your mind. The other thing that it just amazes me, and um, I saw a lot of chatter on social media, and this is why I generally try to ignore most of social media other than to get the news of trying to get some facts, but supposedly NASCAR did this, and I think back, oh, I wanted to remind something about Mike, but uh, that NASCAR did this in order to help Bubba Wallace along in the playoffs, and I'm just like, where do people even possibly come up with this stuff? (laughs) But being that Mike isn't here to defend Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott did win a race and doesn't have the trophy. I think Denny Hamlin still has the trophy. Talking about a winner being Mm -hmm. a a win taken away with uh, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. Chase Elliott was actually third at Pocono, I believe it was, and got the victory because the top two cars were disqualified. Yes. Oh, that's right, Jay. Yeah, good memory. I had completely forgotten about that one. But, uh, yeah, that was, I think, year, maybe one or two years ago, something like that. Okay, Andy, it sounds like you're still in your car. Did you have a hot topic that you can recall that you want to make sure we talk about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know the, the, the NASCAR schedule isn't out yet, but it appears that, and I know you love this one, Sharon, IO Speedway <laughs> slated to potentially hit a Cup Series race for 2024. Yes, indeed. I think Jay likes it, too. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, my first thought, and I was kind of reading through, it sounded like it was official, but then it maybe not be. You said something was withdrawn from the site. Was that just the date that it was going to be? Oh, no, that's just a date. That was just a date okay, that okay. was withdrawn from the site. Okay, so and that it was is going to return. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I know we talked about this possibility that leaves a little bit of disappointment because we kind of feel then that maybe the deal in Montreal did not work out, um, which also was intriguing and I'd like to see, but this is one I do think has been a long, long, long time coming. I'm trying to remember when Iowa Speedway opened and I hope Uh, I know we talked about this, Sharon, with the Xfinity Series, and they were supposed to have some modified races there, that the community supports it so that it will sustain, even if it is on the rotating basis, that they get this opportunity again. Uh, And I know I can hear Brian in my head actually today. You know, Road America was supported and still had the race taken away. Got it. We may have to share and rotate but at least be supportive where they'll keep it on a rotating schedule and it delivers. Uh, But I am super excited about it. I think the Cup Series racing there is going to be huge and great racing. Okay. Well, Andy, I think that this could be official as soon as tomorrow. Uh, The governor, the Iowa governor, is holding a press conference on 
tomorrow. And that's when the official announcement is supposed to be made about Iowa Speedway. NASCAR, um, it sounds like, uh, according to Bob Pachris, the NASCAR schedule could come out by Wednesday of this week. So that sounds pretty cool. Uh, some of Mike's comments, he's still interested in what NASCAR's plan is for the Southern California market. They still have a clash in L.A., but I'd be surprised if they allow the loss of Fantana uh, to permanently keep the points race out of that market. Um, there was a potential date for the race of June 16th that was posted on the Iowa Speedway website, uh, but that's been removed, uh, probably not to steal thunder from the press conference that's going to be held tomorrow. Uh, but it looks like the potential date is uh, June 16th for that race. Uh, also, let's see, Mike says, I didn't hear it myself, but according to what I've seen on Reddit, Jordan Biacci says the whole schedule should be coming out this week. That's what I heard, too, by uh, by Wednesday. Uh, and Iowa will be the only new track. Many shifts to the dates for existing tracks. Texas to the spring, Darlington potentially moves to the regular season finale. Uh, that would be the Labor Day race. So um, that's the only things that I've heard rumored about the schedule, but I, I'm hoping it comes out by Wednesday of this week. So a lot of uh, news items there. I'm super excited. Iowa Speedway is so close to I-80. Uh, there isn't an excuse for anybody not to be able to go uh, to this race. I know Jay's been there. I've been there. Uh, they put on a good show. Uh, it's a great facility. And um, uh, I just uh, am super excited uh, to see that the Cup Series is going to be there. They didn't say whether the Xfinity or the Truck Series would be racing there. But that would be huge if that is the case. Um, but we know that the Arkham and Art Series has been racing there, uh, even though NASCAR has left. Uh, I know IRL, I think, has been uh, – the IndyCar Series has been racing there as well. But um, this is big news. I'm glad to see Iowa Speedway back on the schedule, even if we have to share, and it's only going to be for a few years or whatever. But uh, the community – I, we talked to the mayor a few years ago when we were out at Iowa Speedway, and he was telling us all the big plans uh, that they were putting in place to make that kind of a sports area around that track uh, for the community events to attract community members to be there. So I hope that that's still in the works and uh, uh, this helps propel that into happening. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is this is fantastic. I feel like um, I think that when you look at racetracks that have been most deserving for a cup date for a very long time, I think Iowa probably has to be at the top of that list. Uh, it's, a, it's a great racetrack. I've never been personally, but, you know, just thinking back to the Xfinity Series races that used to run there, uh, they used to put on a good show, and I have to think that the Cup Series will do the same thing. And I think a lot of credit, you know, may have to go to IndyCar Series um, for maybe helping resurrect NASCAR's, 
you know, hopes in in uh, return to Iowa because, you know, that doubleheader weekend that they've done the last year or two has, has turned into kind of yeah. a big deal. And I think that it, it proved that, you know, a big-time Cup Series race can come to Iowa and be successful. Um, so I, I think IndyCar probably deserves some credit for that, you know, what they've been able to do with that doubleheader weekend. So, um, but this is this is awesome. I, I think that, you know, it's a, it's a good facility to come onto the schedule. It's a short track. Um, and I think that it uh, typically has, from what I remember, put a, puts on a good show. So this is a big a big win, I think, for that that particular racetrack. I feel like it's been a long time coming. And honestly, with the loss of the Xfinity Series the last, I think, two years, you know, it's been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a blow when they lost that. But I think maybe you know this this can help make up for that loss in, in, in a big way. And I have to think that. If, if this involves the Cup Series, then it probably at least involves Xfinity, maybe Truck as well. And I hope it is that's the case, you know. So this is a, this is awesome. You know, I think that anytime you can bring in a new facility like this or maybe a new old facility in this case, um, it's certainly new for the Cup Series, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good situation. So I'm looking forward to it, you know. I think that – and I think you're right, Sharon – um, anyone that lives in that area or close to that area, get out there and support it, you know, and maybe maybe a huge turnout can, can help retain it on the schedule for years to come. Jay, I've got one question for you. Are we going back? I would love to, Sharon, and that's why I was actually trying to go through some uh, some history and find it. I know David Hyatt was the president and moved on. Um, he was the one I got to sit down and do an interview with, if you recall, as well, as well as I know you talked to the mayor. Um, and yet the things they were doing there, working with multiple local tracks um, to provide, at that time they were trying to do two weeks of speed weeks. Um, the concerts they had over that two-week period for people camping, they had stuff going on, concerts and activities in that area and the campgrounds and stuff over those two weeks. I mean, they were really, really putting together a package and I was sad to see that it didn't work out. And I, I, like I said, I know David Hyatt moved on. I couldn't find who the current president is, but the community was behind it. And that's a huge step. Uh, again, it goes back to mm-hmm. them to support and why they can't get it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know obviously it was, uh, it's outside Des Moines. Isn't exactly your New York city style. I gotta interrupt base. Oh, yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, for our new listeners, in case there's any out there, we want to let you know that we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and that means that uh, we are going to continue talking, but we're going to record that part of the conversation, so it will be part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast, and I'll go out on Twitter as well as Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available, and then at your convenience, uh, you can fast forward to the play on the player that's at our website or any of the avenues uh, that have our podcast. You can fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. Again, no surprises uh, for anybody. We just uh, make that announcement to make sure everybody knows what's going on. Uh, go ahead and continue, Jay. I was just saying, talking about uh, how much they were involved, the community, and what they were trying to do to produce a full race package, again, over the period of a couple of weeks, not just uh, one weekend or one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can only imagine what they're going to put into 
I know you talked about it with Gateway when, when they came back, the community involvement, Chicago, when you talk about the street course, I think Iowa can do the same thing. Um, the only other thing from that, and I know we'll get to this when we get the official schedule release, I had not heard the possibility, Texas moving dates, I think we, we'd all kind of heard, but Darlington being the finale, that one's intriguing. And I know, like I said, when we do get the official schedule, we'll probably talk about that come Thursday. So, but that one's really uh, intriguing. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be the first time that Darlington's been the uh, regular season finale. I think we've had Darlington as that uh, season finale before. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not as surprised by that one. Um, <clears throat> Texas to the spring race, uh, I think that's telling us uh, that they may have one date and it's going to be in the spring, which means they won't be a playoff uh, race, which tells me if they're not, if Texas isn't going to be a playoff race, then what track will be. And I think based on things that we've heard before, it might be another road course um, that they're going to put into the playoffs uh, for the 24 season. So again, we have to wait until that schedule actually comes out. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking about this again on Thursday night. Uh, you think so, Andy? <laughs> yeah, I think this will probably be the big, the big news for Thursday, undoubtedly. So looking forward to that. Um, you know, bring up some good points there about, you know, if, you know, if there are some changes that have been speculated so far, you know, what does that mean for the rest of the schedule? I think, to me, Darlington moving to the regular season finale, although not totally unprecedented considering that it's already, you know, within a week or two of that mark anyway, um, you know, being on Labor Day weekend, you know, that would be cool, but I I wonder what that would do to Daytona, um, you know, as far as their summer race. Um, I've kind of of felt like in my mind that, um, Daytona being the regular season finale somewhat found, found its place on the schedule. I think the excitement and the craziness of the last race of the regular season being a super speedway, you know, lends itself to, to mayhem really. I mean, we certainly saw that this year. And it wound up being a great race. And so, you know, even though Darlington is a fantastic place to have the regular season finale, you know, I feel I would be a little disappointed to see it move from Daytona just because of the product that it brought and the uncertainty that it brought. I think that, you know, it, it was a great positioning for it on the schedule. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. And, and I'm sure that NASCAR will have some thoughts behind any of their projected moves that they've made um, so yeah, hopefully it does come out this week. Hopefully we can talk about this Thursday night because, um, you know, it, it, while it sounds like there's not a lot of major changes, it sounds like there'll be enough changes that'll make things a bit interesting for next year. And like you already mentioned, Sharon, um, it, with Texas moving to the spring, there's been speculation that Watkins Glen moves into the playoffs. So that could be interesting. So yeah, there's obviously a lot to look forward to. Um, with this impending release, hopefully it's this week, and, and hopefully this will give us uh, something to talk about Thursday. Okay. Jay, what's our next top topic? 
Well, it's an unfortunate one, and uh, I know it's only Monday. Normally we hear about penalties come Tuesday, but there's the discussion of possibly Matt Crafton being suspended or penalized for conduct that we just wouldn't expect, or I wouldn't expect from him anyway, involved in a altercation with Nick Sanchez, and it appears as though he outright sucker-punched Mr. Sanchez. Yeah, Andy, uh, what are your thoughts there? This is, yeah, this is a bit of an interesting one. I've, I did watch the races this weekend. Of course, this was not part of the broadcast. Um, it was not captured, at least on live TV. I don't know if the TV cameras may have caught it after the fact. But apparently there there was footage of it. I haven't seen it. I've only seen the aftermath of it, and I've seen what both drivers had to say. Um, uh, man, I don't know. I mean, the behavior, there, there was questionable behavior from both sides here. You know, if what yeah. they're saying Matt did, um, if they're saying what Matt did is true, um, obviously that's something that NASCAR would need to address. And I, and I also look at what Sanchez was caught on tape saying to with with regards to reacting to what happened to him and the things that he in turn said to Matt Crafton, which isn't good either. So I don't know. I, I kind of have the mindset of Matt did something really silly, as did Nick. Maybe bring him into the, the truck this weekend, hash it out, you know, get it behind them and move on. But I don't really – I feel like if you just – suspend one you got to suspend the other in terms of the behavior on both sides of the coin like i said i I can't say that i would condone being sucker punched i mean really realistically that's assault right but you can't make death threats either just because you got punched in the face so it's bad on both accounts it's it's not a good situation i hope that they can address it and talk about it like professionals um i think pretty highly of nick sanchez he's an incredible talent who is somebody that I think will win races and go far in the sport. And Matt Crafton should know better as a veteran of the sport, someone that's been around a long time. You know, certainly he should know how to conduct himself in a much more positive manner than that. So, but I don't know that you can say it's all Matt Crafton's fault and, or how you could say it's, it's Nick Sanchez's fault. You, I, I think they both did some not so good things here. And so, if you're going to penalize one, you, you need to penalize them both, or you don't penalize either one, and you simply sit them down and work through it and move on from it. Yeah. Um, this is um, an overreaction by both parties, I think. Uh, Matt Crafton started by parking his car in the number two pit stall and then walking away, and from what it sounds like, he, he took off his fire suit and uh, these, these are all secondhand accounts. NASCAR's investigating all of it. But it sounds like he he sat and waited for Nick Sanchez to walk by and then came up behind him, tapped him on the shoulder, and then when he turned around, he sucker punched him. Now, Matt, of course, his comments say that he didn't do that. Um, but all of the video <laughs> and... and uh, uh, accounting uh, testimonials from people who were there uh, say that he did. 
So NASCAR is going to look into it. I trust that they'll do a good job of looking into it. But I tend to agree. There's there's blame here on both sides of it. Uh, I think what was a racing incident uh, turned out to be a, a, a big mountain uh, because of the activities on the track. And I agree with you. Matt Crafton is a veteran of this sport. He knows better than to do that. And to sit and wait and then sucker punch somebody, uh, to me, that is an assault. And he's just lucky. And I'm not going to say that uh, uh, Nick Sanchez, I think he has every right uh, to file charges against him. For, for what happened. Um, so he could be in trouble from a legal uh, point of view as well uh, if if Nick Sanchez so chooses to do so. Um, but uh, Nick Sanchez is, is not in all of this either uh, because, it, and I don't know how I would react if somebody sucker punched me in the face. I probably have some kind of feelings. Um, uh, about the person that punched me, but these guys are, are professionals, and they should not be saying uh, and making death threats uh, to people because they've been sucker punched. Uh, I, uh, I, I will have to say that was inappropriate as well. So I, I agree with pretty much everything Andy said there that uh, – uh, NASCAR has to review this. I don't envy them for having to be put into this situation. Uh, and I agree. I think they need to have that conversation, whether there's a penalty or not. They need to sit down with both of these drivers and make sure that they understand how inappropriate uh, their behavior was uh, after the race. Um but uh, Matt Crafton knows better, and uh, I, I just don't I, – I understand his frustration. I get it, but that's inappropriate. That's not the way to deal with your frustration. It's just, it's just not. Jay, your thoughts? All right. I'm going to start with reading Mike's, and i got to take a deep breath. He, got, he has quite a yeah, bit posted he's here. He's got a big one here. Uh, it says there's a big difference between a fight and an assault. Make sure I'm starting at the top of his. There we go. Okay, I consider it a fight when both people know they're in in one and it don't take steps to de-escalate it. Mayor versus Gibson, Gregson versus, Gregson versus Chastain, Suarez versus McDowell, Gordon versus Kozlowski are all examples of what I consider to be a fight. Assault is a different story. I consider it to be assault when one party clearly doesn't even know they're in a fight or actively trying to escape or de-escalate it. Hill versus Schneider, Wallace versus Larson, and now Crafton versus Sanchez all fall under assault, in my opinion. I generally don't have a problem with fights so long as they don't devolve into a crew versus crew scrum. Fights are pretty much a part of all a part of pretty much all sports as well as a deep tradition in nascar assault has no place in the sport not only should the perpetrator be suspended but they should be subject to criminal charges if crafton wallace or hill did the same thing downtown as they did at the track they would almost certainly be arrested simply being at the racetrack shouldn't change that 
In this case, Crafton should be absolutely be suspended and subject to criminal charges. Ambushing someone and sucker punching them before they even know they're you're there is a chicken blank move and unacceptable. <laughs> What's that? Unacceptable, yeah. Acceptable. Skip to the yeah. <laughs> Um I'm not sure Sanchez shouldn't be suspended as well. There's some concern about driving and telling another driver you're going to freaking kill them, I guess, at Homestead. I understand that didn't happen in a vacuum, but I still feel it's over the line. Uh, let's, he's got one more. I don't believe, I don't, I flat out don't believe Crafton saying that it's not what happened. There've been multiple witness accounts and videos and all of it seems to corroborate Sanchez's version of the events with none aside from Crafton's own statement aligning with what he claims happened. Furthermore, it was Crafton who parked in Sanchez's pit box and Sanchez had even apologized over the radio. All right, lot to process here. Again, we don't know exactly uh, from what I've seen. I've not seen any clearer video of it until the aftermath, which case then, uh, unfortunately, Sanchez's reply was caught. Um, but we don't know exactly how it happened. But when I look at should NASCAR suspend them, I don't think so. And the reason I say that is that the precedent is, is that you guys handle that amongst yourself. Whether Sanchez files criminal charges, that would be a whole separate uh, situation. But NASCAR, I don't know that necessarily needs to be involved. Maybe a fine as far as conduct of a representative of NASCAR. And I think you're going to see possibly some sponsors or teams be involved in that. But NASCAR as a whole, it did not happen on the track with the vehicles, which is where their concern comes in. And just in the recent ones that um, Mike mentioned, Gregson versus um, Chastain, the, he compared it to the Austin Hill uh, with, who was it he knocked out? He knocked somebody silly. Now I'm trying to, uh, Snyder, Myatt Snyder, there we go. Bubba Wallace going after Kyle Larson, and Kyle Larson clearly did not want any part of it. NASCAR didn't take any action as far as that. Uh, Bob Wallace was suspended following that, but that was for his on-track portion with the vehicle, not what happened in the infield afterwards. And I think back to ones of you could call an assault. Uh, who was it? Somebody went after Matt Kenseth in between the hollers. I want to say it was Brad Keselowski, but I may be wrong. I yeah, just I think it was. The, okay. Um, just think through the history. Kevin Harvick jumping over a car to get to uh, Greg Biffle, Ricky Rudd, and, and driver. Uh, you know, when it comes to that, Casey Mears. Uh, somebody caught Casey Mears. I think Marcus Ambrose was maybe involved in that one. NASCAR has never really, other than a fine, taken taken any steps as far as that. Now, do they need to be brought into the holler and said, hey, we want this done. There better not be any on-track issues between the two of you. Absolutely, because then it's a safety to multiple. Now, as I said, whether the, between the two drivers, Sanchez files criminal charges of personal assault, that would be between the two drivers. And, and I understand that, and that would be a legal thing, not a NASCAR thing. Okay. Uh, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, I'd certainly be interested to see what comes of this. Um, I guess 
perhaps we'll know tomorrow um, if there's any penalties from this this week. But I, I really, I, I really hope there isn't. I think just in light of the fact that that both drivers did and said things that are questionable. So in my mind, I don't condone either one, but I feel like, you know, you, you're gonna. I, I feel like whatever treatment in, or in penalties are given this week, if any. But whatever's given to one should be given to the other. I feel like, you know, and I, I don't know. It's one of these things that I hope that now that the tempers have cooled down and it's been a few days, you would hope that maybe these guys can talk through this a bit like professionals, um, you know, and I, I'd hate to see criminal charges come into this and, and suspensions and all that stuff. That's when it starts to get messy, you know, but um and, and, you know, the thing of it is I, I don't necessarily blame Sanchez for for reacting the way that he did. Um, I think some of the things that he said are not so great. But, I mean, you, you can't blame him, you know, especially if what actually took place is true. But that therein lies, you know, the real thing and the real issue that I see here is that you've got one guy saying one thing and the other saying the other. And so it's – it's really tough to say exactly what's true. And there was a statement from Nick's mom, but of course Nick's mom's going to back up her son, you know, so you can't really blame her there, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, I don't know. I don't really know exactly who to believe in this case. I know having read through, um, you know, what Mike said, Mike, I think takes a bit of an approach to not believing crafting. Um, I I don't know what to think. (laughs) You know, it's like, you just don't, Unless I could see the footage for myself and, and see what was precisely said, um, I don't really exactly know what happened. But I hope that I, I hope it doesn't become a big thing. I guess to just boil this down to one statement, I, I hope that it can be worked through and moved on from quickly. Yeah, I agree, and and I'll just repeat what I said before: whether there's a penalty or not, both of these guys need to be sat down. And some pretty serious conversations had uh, for their part in in both in this situation. Uh, Crafton had plenty of time to kind of, um, uh, you know, manage his his uh, frustration. He parked in the in the um, uh, pit stall. We know he did that. Uh, the other part, we've only seen the videos. Um, and you're right, you've got two different versions of what happened here. Uh, but I think NASCAR is going to talk to a lot of people uh, and get more than just the two drivers' versions of what happened here. And it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of it. But they both need to be set down uh, without any question about it. They need to clear the air and um, they need to settle this down because what you don't want to have happen is for this to escalate. And to me, that's that's the biggest fault that I think Crafton had is he escalated the situation. He did nothing to de-escalate. He he was provoking uh, in all of those cases. So he's the one who really escalated this. And I agree with you, Andy. I don't blame Nick for having an emotional response to what happened, if it happened according to his version of it. Uh, You can hardly blame him uh, for being upset about it. But what he said uh, was totally inappropriate. You can't threaten 
uh, another driver, uh, and that's inappropriate. So these guys, they both need to have a very serious conversation with NASCAR, uh, one of those uh, David Hoots-type conversations or uh, Helton-type conversations. Uh, Jay? I, I don't know what happened. He got out of the car and he just started headbutting my fist. Uh, what was that? Was that uh, Yarbrough's yeah, answer? Right, right. <laughs> um, go ahead. I, that's what popped into my head. Sorry, I had to, I had to get it out. No, I, like I said, I was, we've seen enough throughout the sport. And when you look at other sports, too, when two football players go at it on the on the field, tempers get the better. There's some shoving, pushing, uh Occasionally the sucker punch, but I don't see it as necessarily being an assault. Now, this is a little bit different, especially being that it was after in the in the garage area, and again Nick was walking away. I, I get it, uh, you know, and like I said, that's between the two of them. NASCAR definitely needs to address it and talk to them. Other than maybe a monetary fine, I just don't see them needing to be involved. Other than to mediate it to make sure it does not uh, come onto the track uh, or any issues as far as how they race the, each other and conduct themselves that way. Um, the one thing I look at, though, and in recent years we've talked about this when it comes to Ty Gibbs, Sam Mayer, the younger generation being the ones to initiate this and not have the maturity. And that's what, what kind of appalls me is that Matt Kraft and um, I know we all reach our boiling point, yeah. we, you know, whatever. But if you're going to teach these young guys and set the example and want them to be respectful or whatever, you got to return that, you know, I mean, and show it by example, lead by example. And this was just not the case. And it really out of character for Matt Kraft and truthfully, uh, you know, he's been around, especially in the truck series, obviously raced at Talladega before. And, and again, there it was that most people felt that what happened on the track, Sharon, I think you called it just a racing incident. And Sanchez apparently even took accountability and responsibility for that portion of it. You know, saying, hey, I made a mistake and it happened. So, you know, I mean, what more can you do or say? You know, you acknowledge you made the mistake can't change it other than to race differently or try and improve. And he's a young kid, you know, what I think he's what 18. So, uh, yeah, I just don't think it was handled. As you said, Sharon, nobody handled themselves, uh, well, all the way around. Yep. Okay. We've got a few minutes here. Andy, do you have a quick one we can hit? Yeah, I think so. Um, Harrison Burton, uh, did say this weekend he will return to the Wood Brothers for 2024. Okay. Jay, your thoughts about Harrison Burton back back in the 21 for Wood Brothers? I don't want to represent Mike here because I don't know his exact words. I know that is one that has not exactly performed to the level we would have thought after I believe this is his third. This is going to be his third year. If I'm wrong on that, correct me. Was this his second year? Last year was his rookie year. This was. I want to say yeah, that's his second that's year. Correct. It is. Yeah. yeah, next year would be his third. All right. So I do think he deserves the chance. Has he performed as we thought he would? No. We've seen some flashes. But there again, got to look at the team of 
unfortunately, uh, and this goes back to another driver, when Matt DiBenedetto came out of that car and some changes were made with uh, Brad Keselowski moving, uh, Austin Sindrick moving over to the two, I think they lost their momentum and mojo with what they had built with Matt DiBenedetto and building that team, and it kind of was a setback. Second off, you look at all Ford teams this year. The top teams have not been performing, so thus uh, a satellite team or a secondary team to one of those primary big ones, where do you expect them to be at? You know, So I think you've got to look at a lot of different things, not just the driver. So I'm happy to see that he's getting this uh, chance to at least a third year um, and continue to build on where he's at, and hopefully we see improvements from the manufacturer of Ford as well as then that team along with Team Penske and get back to where they were. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's a good thing. I like Harrison Burton. I know Sharon, thanks to you, had that opportunity. I actually did some on-track interviews with him. I believe it was at Memphis. Um, seeing him come through the Arca Menards uh, back then, Brian brought it up. It was the K&N when I went, but the Arca Menards Series East, um, and then into the trucks and Xfinity, he's got the talent. It just hasn't quite clicked yet at the cup level for whatever reason. Give him that time and opportunity. And I think he's a, a great person that does well with sponsors. And the way he generally, I say, takes care of his cars. I know, again, in the cup series, you could make an argument, maybe not so much, but the cup's a whole nother level. So give him the opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think that he should be given another opportunity at Wood Brothers or with a team in in the Cup Series. Um, And I don't know that his performance is necessarily all his fault. Um, Ford in general has had some uh, issues. Uh, Not all Ford teams. Obviously, Brad Keselowski has brought that team uh, RFK, they kind of turned things around there. But Stuart Haas Racing has not <laughs> performed to the level that, with the exception of um, uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, the, those teams have not performed to their best either. Uh, Team Penske, they've had uh, some good runs, but even Joy Logano, a past champion, uh, has not had the best runs. Uh, so I don't know that this is, is necessarily Harris all on Harrison Burton. Keep in mind, too, that he's coming into the series at a time with this new next-gen car. Uh, and we've heard people say you can't transfer what you have in the Xfinity series to what you're going to drive in the Cup series anymore any longer. It's an entirely different ball game. So it takes some of these drivers a little bit longer uh, to uh, acclimate. But again, Harrison Burton normally acclimates very quickly if you look at his career uh, through late models and the Arkham Menard series and, and so forth. He's acclimated uh, very quickly and done very, very well. Um, and we know that coming to the Cup Series, the Elite Series of NASCAR, is not an easy transition to make. And I feel like maybe he was pushed up into that, uh, maybe a little bit premature. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him race in the Xfinity Series 
another season. Uh, but he's in the Cup Series. He's got these races under his belt. We have seen flashes of uh, good runs by Harrison. Um, does he make mistakes on the track? Sure he does, but so do the veterans. Uh, so I can't put it all on Harrison Burton. Um, I, I do think that he deserves that chance to be in the Cup Series for another year, and we'll see what he does next season. I think he might be turning the corner. We'll have to wait and see if that happens in 2024. Andy? I would agree with, with what you both said. Um, I, I don't think it would be fair to release him after just two seasons. Um, you know, there's been some struggles there that have already been documented with not only the manufacturer but the team. Um the Wood Brothers team is in many ways an extension of Team Penske. And although Blaney and um, and Logano have done fairly well, of course, Logano the, won the championship last year. He won't do so again this year. You know, they've, they've run fairly well and won some races. The two-car of Cindric has been off the mark, too. So it's not just Burton that struggled. Um, you know, but... So I, I think he obviously deserves another year, and I think that it helps that he has has built some relationships um, with companies like Dex Imaging, which help bring funding to the team. So that it, that helps, you know, to, to help retain that seat. And I think that they just made a, a crew chief change. Things didn't appear to be working that well between he and Brian Wilson. Wilson moves over to the two of Cindric to reunite those two from their Xfinity Series days. Jeremy Bullins, who's had success, um, on the two car as well as with Blaney um, moves over to the 21. And so, you know, hopefully they can use the rest of this season to to build and um, get themselves positioned for a better near year next year. I think next year is a bit of a pivotal season though, um, to some degree, um, you know, as far as what his future might hold, I think that they're going to have to be better in some ways than they have been the first couple of seasons in the cup series. But um, I, I, I definitely think this is a deserving opportunity to, to show improvement and show that they belong. And, and I think that, you know, if they can put together some decent runs and be in the picture for the playoffs, I think that they've done their job as far as proving that, that he does belong in the cup series, but they are going to have to be better next year. No doubt about that. Um, but yeah. I do think he has earned he's earned the opportunity um, to get that chance to show that they can be better next year. So we'll see what happens, but um, definitely I think a um, the correct move overall. Okay, we'll let that be our final word. I think we're all in agreement. Uh, so Jay, uh, let's start our roundtable to sign off. All right, you follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Look forward to Thursday's podcast. Again, we should have the schedule, hopefully, to talk about. Uh, if not, we can talk about what we little tidbits we do know and are coming. Um, so look forward to that. And as we look forward to the Charlotte Roval, another one that uh, very intriguing and that always has a huge impact on the playoffs. So that'll be good to preview. Okay, Andy. CB14 fan on uh, Twitter, and good to be on tonight, as it always is. 
And, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, going to the Roval. I won't be there, but I'm just looking forward to NASCAR going to the Roval <laughs> this weekend. Um, should be a fun one. It always is a good time. So, um, yeah, should be uh, should be a good week. And I look forward to, uh, like the rest of you, learning about hopefully the schedule this week. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Uh, thank you to both of you for being here tonight. Mandy, I know you made an extra effort to call in from the car. I, we appreciate that. And um, uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio on Facebook, as well as our website. And uh, definitely looking forward to the races this weekend, not just in the uh, NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series. Both of those are elimination races, so I know it's going to be exciting. Uh, but also we've got the season finale for the Arkham Menard Series this week at, at uh, Toledo Speedway. And there's three more races left for the Arca West, so uh, leading all the way up to Phoenix. So uh, uh, they're not racing this weekend, but we do have the Arca Menard Series season finale. So it's going to be a big racing weekend, and uh, can't wait. Uh, Jesse Love kind of secured that championship, which was uh, a big story. Youngest driver to win the Arca West Series uh, title, and now the youngest driver to win the Arca Menard Series title. So uh, uh, I think we've got a lot to look forward to with Jesse Love uh, in the in many many years to come. So uh, with that. Uh, uh, we'll look forward to Thursday's podcast, and uh, we'll let that uh, be a wrap for tonight. Yeah, have a nice night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.